You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Sets him up. Now Aiden. Two-man game. Oh, my goodness. The athleticism of DeAndre Aiden. Into the hands of Booker. Releases it just behind half court. And money time for Devin Booker. Smith on the drive. Booker with an unbelievable block from behind. It's incredible to see Devin Booker take the mantle, the face of the Phoenix Suns. This guy is poetry in motion. Last night it was the NBA suspending its season after Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. This hiatus will be at least 30 days. The NBA Board of Governors has approved a 22-team restart in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Welcome into the Hangtime Podcast. I'm your host, Sekou Smith, here in Atlanta. Coming to you every day as we head towards the restart of this NBA season in Orlando bubble business. Today we're talking Phoenix Suns with Jim Jackson, FS1 college basketball analyst. You've seen him on TNT, NBA vet, Ohio State royalty. First and foremost, appreciate you joining us, uh, Jim. And uh, it's been a wild few months for everybody, but this Suns team in particular, if you think about where they were when we shut down on March 11th, they were probably one of the teams that didn't expect to have this opportunity to have eight more games if, if the season was going to come back to see where they stand and to kind of figure out where their guys are as a group. How important do you think these extra games, these eight games that some of those other teams that were in their neighborhood in the standings are not getting a chance to play? Like, what does this, what does this do for that group? Well, I mean, first, we got to back up just the tremendous job that Monty Williams and the staff have done to kind of get this young team in a position, as you know, Sekou, in the Western Conference in particular, to be able to be in this position to compete, hopefully, you know, they can get in a play-in game and maybe get to the playoffs. You never know what's going to happen. But to even be in the conversation, I think, says a lot about Monty Williams and the staff. And I'm, I'm kind of biased a little bit because my head coach at Ohio State, Randy Ayers, is on the bench there in Phoenix. So I got a little something there going on. But for this team to be there, it means a lot because what you do is you get an opportunity, even though this is unconventional. This is not like regular season and you got home court to play against and you can do some things. But this is, it gives them a chance, I think, to bond more together because you're spending time with each other. Even though during the course of the season, you say, when you play, you know, 82 games, you shouldn't know each other. But this is a little different. The confined spaces, the time you got to spend now, you're kind of forced to do some things and maybe have some conversations and some things that you didn't do during the course of the season. So this is a time of growth. Games don't hurt you. Games playing together against competition 
I think always lends itself to growth. And I think that's something that Monty Williams and his staff would preach to his young guys, that this is an opportunity for us to take the next step, no matter what happens, no matter what the outcome is. And you mentioned Monty, which has been a huge shift, obviously, for the Suns. And they have an interesting roster when you look at the, the makeup of this group, adding Ricky Rubio the way they did, the responsibility, I think, that's on Devin Booker's shoulders. But one guy who sticks out to me just in terms of the roller coaster season he's had, DeAndre Ayton yeah. missed such a huge chunk of the season. Now, you know, he gets back, is trying to get into a groove, you shut down. I'm thinking about him and how critical this time is for him in terms of just being back on the floor in the mix, getting more reps with a new coach mm-hmm. and a new staff. Is this a critical time for him in your estimation, just not not just this season, but in terms of his NBA development? Well, it, it is. Like you, you think about it, play 30 games, average 19 points, high expectations, of course. But DeAndre Ayton comes in a situation, too, where the league has transitioned over from not your prototypical post player. So he had to adjust his game as well. I think Monty and the staff has done a great job of kind of moving him around in different positions that he's not stagnant, that his skill set can be utilized. But a lot of it has to also do with Aiton in regards to developing his overall skill set to fit today's narrative. Yeah, there are times when you can post up. There's other times you're going to pick and pop. There's times you need to run the court. All these things help, but it doesn't help too, though. Sometimes, you know, with injuries, guys need to be on the court. But I do believe if you look at his body of work in those 30 games, you can see light at the end of the tunnel where exactly his potential ultimately can be. But like any young player with a young team, the expectation is to happen immediately. As soon as I get back on the court, (laughs) this is who I'm going to be. And the league just doesn't work like that in particular. Back in the day, if he came in, he would get touches, touches, touches in the paint. Now it's a different game. And and I think with the makeup of this team, with the shooters that spread the court, I think this allowed his game to grow a lot more. But again, the evolution, I think, is what you're talking about. It's going to be very interesting to see how Monty positions DeAndre Ayton, not just now, but moving forward. There will be a lot of people watching this Suns team that – quite frankly, don't see them on a, on a consistent basis mm-hmm. based on, the, you know, the un, unorthodox nature of how the season is going to restart. What would you tell people about Devin Booker, these, these casual fans from other places maybe that haven't watched him intently? I, I know because, you know, he's from my hometown. He's from Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I know about him and have known about him for a long time. I think he's one of the brightest young stars in the league, but he's not a household name necessarily just yet. Well, I mean, and that's because when you don't win, you don't get on national TV. I've been there before. I've done that. You put up points and people hear about you, but they associate points and not winning. I think the move to get Ricky Rubio allows Devin to expand his game, not work as hard. This is a young man that's a fierce competitor. He's not going to back down from anybody. You watch this young man play. I don't care who he's going up against. It does not matter because he always has something to prove. You think about when he came out of Kentucky, People just thought of him just as a shooter, spot up, jump shot, but didn't understand his ability to put it on the deck, to attack the rim, to score inside, to be creative, you know, with his floaters inside. And he's only going to get better. I think that, you know, again, when you think of Devin Booker, you think of scoring and shooting. But he has so much more to his game. And I do believe the moves that the Suns have made to get a pass first point guard that allows now Devin to play off the ball and not have to try to create in situations that maybe he's not as comfortable until the fourth quarter comes, the last two or three minutes, you know where the ball is going. 
but that allows him now to not be as fatigued in late game situations. So to the fans that will get a chance to see him right now, I think you'll see a different Devin Booker than what we saw last year, because now the game is slowed down. He understands when to pick and choose his spots and he's using his teammates a lot more, uh, I think consistently in order to make himself more effective. Yeah. Uh, another guy who had been a really great fit for his son's team was Kelly Oubre Jr. Oh um, yeah, man. And you lose, you lose him. Obviously it's a blow for you. If you're Monty Williams, just having a guy with that kind of versatility and that skill set, you know, in the mix, who, who takes up that slack now? Who, who, and who gets a chance to take advantage of those minutes? I know they got several guys who could be in the mix, but how do you see that shaking out? You can't really re- replace what he does because I, I know one thing, I know the Wizards still wish they had him. I can tell you that much right now. But that was an auto porter thing, his contract. He couldn't move it, so they had to give up Kelly. But it, it worked out for Kelly to go there. 19 points again. This young man expanded his game. I think Mikael Bridges has a great opportunity on that second team to come in because he's long, he's athletic. I, I covered Mikael at, at Villanova all of his years. His redshirt year when he had to sit out, when he was just working out on the court, um, you know, before a game, you know, not knowing what next year would bring. And then eventually, national championship, he got in, made some big plays, he expanded his game. He can do a little bit of everything. I know the Phoenix fans, especially the organization, are very happy with his progress. Again, he's not the score that Oubre is, but the all-around player, he has the basic fundamentals taught by Jay Wright of Villanova that can fill different roles. Again, you're going to miss Kelly Oubre and his presence, his scoring, his length. But at the same time, it gives Mikael Bridges an opportunity in in-game situations, especially kind of a, this is not a playoff scenario, but the last eight games puts you in that mindset that he'll be in those critical situations in order to grow. And I think the dividends will be huge for them next year when everybody's back and healthy. They got uh, another young guy, Cam Johnson, who had some moments, you know, a guy who was kind of feeling his way through his season. I'm, I'm just wondering that break after your first, re- you know, your first year in the league. And, and that's basically yep. what we've had. They've had a 60 plus game season, four mm-hmm. and a half, you know, four plus months away from it. And now you come back to it. How much do you gain ground in that stretch after your first season? to when you crank back up and start that next season, which is basically what these eight games will be for some of these guys. Well, you think about it, Cam is 24 years old. So just getting a sense and feel what the league was like is something totally different anyway. What that grind is like for the number of games you had to play up until the break, how you prepare yourself each and every night, that's a different grind. And then all of a sudden, bam, it comes to a stop. To me, athletes and the ball players are figure out say cool how to adjust to their surroundings getting back to play but it's the mental aspect especially as a young player of how to deal with everything else going on around the situation now that you're in the bubble how do you prepare your mind when you you get bored okay yeah. when it's not your normal routine as a veteran you kind of seen a lot of things maybe not this but you know what the preparation is like how to keep your mind focused as a young player, a lot of times just in the league, but you got a lot of stuff going on, let alone what's going on now when you have to deal with the bubble. Okay, when everything is going good, it's easy to play. But when things are a little bit uncomfortable and the mind is off, that's when being a young player, I think, kind of hurts you a little bit more 
depending on what kind of veteran presence you have on your team. And there's not a lot like that on this Phoenix team besides Rubio that have that. So you, you depended on trying to figure out with the coaching staff and everybody else, like Cam Johnson, these young guys, even a Devin Booker, of how mentally to stay engaged. He played well. How can I improve upon that without trying to do too much within these eight games? So it's going to be very interesting to watch how a lot of these guys, especially Cam, who play well, adjust to kind of being in the bubble in this restart. You played in the league so long, the focus, being down there amongst everybody, we, you never do that in this league. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Everybody's not a summer league. The whole league is never stuck in, in the same proximity like this in the postseason. Can you imagine – trying to navigate just the landscape and the protocols with the health and safety components involved as well. How difficult do you think this is for the players just in terms of, like you mentioned, knowing what to do, when to do it, where to do it in this kind of crazy environment? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that whoever wins the title this year will have needs to have an asterisk put by their name? I actually do think there's an asterisk, but I think it's for a good reason, because you overcame something nobody's ever had to do to win a championship. And that's my point, because a lot of people want to talk about like lockout year when the year I was there when San Antonio won it. Okay, they talk about it, but years later, it's it's the championship. It was different. This is totally different. This is not home court. Okay, you don't sleep in your own bed. Again, you talked about the protocols that you have to adhere to once you're on campus. This is unlike any other time of playing basketball outside of playing AAU for these professional players, okay? That's why I think this is unique in itself and it has to kind of look at this may be more difficult to win because of all the factors. And again, if you're playing all the way, the season ends if, if the championship goes to October 12th. Okay, that's end of July, August, September, part of October. You're in one environment. The team to me that ultimately wins one, you got to avoid injuries, of course, to your key players. Yeah, absolutely. But two, yes, talent is going to win, but who is going to be able to sustain that mental focus the whole time? Because that is it. It's going to get mundane. It's going to get repetitional on what you do. The fishing expeditions, (laughs) going outside, doing all those things, and the environments are going to look the same. You're going to get tired of seeing the same people. But how does that detract from your focus on winning games? That's what's going to separate, I think, the champions this year. And that's why I think the asterisk you talked about is different because it's a different set of circumstances. And I I truly believe, as we always do, five, ten years from now, whoever's crowned champion, we look back at what everybody had to go through. I think we'll look at it through a different set of lenses and probably have a better appreciation for what the grind these teams had to go through to win that championship. No question about it. You know what? You can only play so much cornhole. (laughs) <laughs> before you start right. chewing through the walls you know <laughs> and how many video games you go play how, many, how much how many movies on netflix yeah i'm not a gamer so i don't even know what it would take in terms of a video game stash to keep yourself preoccupied for that long but but you're right it's going to be such an unprecedented environment any team that finds the discipline to grind their way through this 
will be a more than fitting champion. We're talking Phoenix Suns with Jim Jackson here. And after the break, we're going to talk about some keys to the Magic Kingdom for the Suns team. What do they have to do in Orlando, in the bubble, to come out of there with all the things that they need to take their next step beyond this season? here on the Hangtime Podcast talking Phoenix Suns with Jim Jackson. We got to figure out exactly what the Suns team can extract from a trip to Orlando. If we're talking about the Suns and and Disney, who would be their Mr. Incredible? Who's the guy on the Suns roster that has to be their X-Factor? The guy that's their game changer when they get into the action in the bubble? Well, you know, for, for the Suns, I think it's two people. It's not just one. I think Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges, those two because of their length, their size. Now, again, they're young, but because Kelly Oubre Jr. is not there, those two hopefully can fill the void in regards to providing a little bit of scoring punch, rebounding, defense, bodies, minutes, because you, you kind of know what Ricky Rubio is, who he's going to be. You know Devin Booker, who he's going to be. Aiton is still evolving, but you kind of know what you're going to get. The unknown factors is what Cam and Mikael can bring to the table in this type of scenario. And again, it's not like they got to go out and score 20 points apiece. No, that's not what they have to do. It's can they defend at a high level? Can they rebound at a high level together? When they have the opportunity to put the ball on the deck or catch and shoot, can they knock down the shots that are important in, in critical game situation? And that, to me, is not one person. It's those two key individuals, to me, will help this Phoenix Suns team be more competitive in this bubble situation. Mr. Incredibles, maybe. Maybe that's what they got to have. Yeah, right. Two superheroes. Um, two, two superheroes, yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing they got to let go from the regular season, one thing that needed to stay back home in Phoenix and not make it into the luggage uh, headed for Orlando, what is what trait did this Suns team need to leave behind? You think about it from this perspective, shot 35% from the three-point line, maybe inch that up a little bit, but that's not too bad. It got to the free throw line 24 times a game. You know, defensively, I think just where, as a young team, you really have to hone in. And, you know, Monty Williams coming from San Antonio, he understands that in order for us to really compete, yeah, we can score 112 points a game, but if our opponents are scoring 116, 17, 18, we're not going to win defensively, I think, is where they really have to hone and lock in. It's tough because the defense, just like offense, requires continuity. And when you've been off for a while against the teams they have to play against, again, when they first come out the back, you got the Washington, the Wizards, you got Dallas, then you got the Clippers right out the back. Brutal. Okay? Okay, so defensively, to me, is where this team, if you really want to make an impact and dent, and we're not just talking about now. Imagine if they're able to really compete, show their wares right now, what kind of confidence that means for them next year, especially if they can do some special things on the defensive end. That was the biggest thing for me coming into the league when I was young. It was adjusting defensively to, you know, spacing on the court, how to guard, defend one-on-one, but also how to provide help to my teammates and communicate. To me, that's the biggest thing for them. They've obviously got some ground to make up in terms of trying to get into that playing situation and potentially in the playoffs. But if they did, let's, let's say they did, and there's a beauty and the beast matchup for them in terms of playoffs, what would be the, 
ideal scenario? What's the beauty matchup for them in a playoff setting where the Suns to get into that mix? Well, the unfortunate part is they can only creep in the eighth spot. So they're not going to move up to five or six. That's, I mean, because ideally you, you don't want to face the Lakers or the Clippers flat out. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but ideally for me, if I'm the Suns, is to get in the playoffs. You know why? That gives you the experience of what you need. One time to get in. Now you understand what that preparation is like. Because if you think about this, like you're doing the course of the season, coaches to me manage minutes, injuries, and egos. You know, those three things. Once you get in the playoff scenario, that's when the real deep concentration on X's and O's, execution, changing the game plans on the fly, adjusting the situation. And then guess what? Players have to do the same. But the only way you get that experience is to have to go through it. People can talk about this Phoenix Suns team all they want about what it's like to play in the playoffs. But until you touch it, feel it, experience, you don't know. So I don't care if they get in at eight and have to play the Lakers. Guess what? That's experience well had that they can use to motivate and use to propel themselves moving forward. When I guess when you haven't been in that mix, just getting there, the experience yourself <laughs> oh, is probably the most beneficial huge. thing. Yeah, no question. Yes. If there's a genie in that lamp and, and you can get three wishes for this Suns team, what are the three wishes they would need to have with them going into the experience in Orlando? One would be that Kelly Oubre would miraculously come back <laughs> and, 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 and be a part of right. – uh, situation so he can play right two deandre aiden would be as dominant as any big man playing okay three would be genie in the lap for the third <laughs> one that's a good one say um that devin booker elevates his game and is averaging like 35 and why i say that that just opens up other opportunities for you know, and again, I don't want to put anything on other teams that would hurt them. This is all about the Suns. And that would be it. We know the ebb and flow of basketball. If you got eight games, somebody is catching fire. I don't know who it is on what team. That, that's right. But somebody is going to get hot during these seeding games and go bananas. I don't know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the Suns fans hope it's Devin Booker. And can they get it for, for a Suns team, a young team, not having Bradley Bill to begin against Washington? Is that a game you can go in and get? Okay? Can you go get that first game against a Wizard team that's not going to have one of the best players there? You can't let that game get away, okay? The next game against the Mavericks. You're not worried about the Mavericks as much. You know Luka's going to get his. Okay, but do we match up well enough? Can we compete and get that game? Imagine if you win your first two games. You know the Clippers game is going to be a tough one, but keep in mind, just like you, they got a little rust too. If you start off and you play well, you know in this league, anybody can be beaten. So you got to take it game by game and look at your opponent and say what we have to do. And again, the first game, the first test, I think mentally for me, if I'm Monty Williams, to see if my guys are prepared, is playing against a Washington Wizards team that doesn't have Bradley Bill. And how do we compete? I think that's going to tell you a lot about the mindset of where the Suns team is at. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a huge gauge for, for what's to come. Um, they got to have a little fun off the court, and this is the happiest place on earth. Everybody loves that about Disney. If there's one guy on the Suns roster that's most likely to win an NBA 2K tournament in one of the player lounges, who is he? 
All the young guys. It's all the young guys. You know, Ricky Rubio not winning. We already know that. You know what I'm saying? I know. Tariq Owens, I covered Tariq when he was at St. John's. He may be one. I'm sure Cameron Payne. I don't know. What if Dario wins it? <laughs> he may, they may have somebody he, that's, he, a, he, that's a video game ninja you know, that, on that, that roster. That, we don't that, know about. I'm telling I'm Or Aaron Baines comes out of nowhere. It's just like, <laughs> you know, I'm talking all that. Aaron Baines. And what if the championship is Aaron and Dario? Nobody be, expects that. No, that'll be that'll be the shocker of the, of the of the bubble. Who's most likely to to have packed the kind of on point fashion game that keeps them in regular season style? You got to have a lot. Devin Booker. Oh, ain't no question. Ain't no question. If Kelly Oubre was there, it'd be a fight between those. That's two. a great point. Yeah, that's right. Oubre would probably win out with the shoes, too. I've seen some of his shoe game. Oh, yeah. No, he on top of his fashion game yeah, now. He would definitely be in the mix for that. Um, who's most likely to take advantage of the roller coasters and water slides at Disney that, that these guys are going to have prime time access to? I would say Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> I know Frank from my son played with him at Wisconsin. Yeah. Frank is one of those guys has a dry sense of humor, but loves to have fun. I can see Frank in the front of the road. Well, the front is kind of <laughs> tough because his legs is long. But on the roller coaster, okay, on the water slide, on the water stuff, doing, you know, trying to get it in, that's just his personality. What's the fairy tale ending in terms of what it is that they leave Orlando with ultimately? If you're James Jones and you're that front office and you said, we put all this energy and time into the season, this is what we walked away from Orlando with. You know, I'm glad you brought up James. And when we give some credit to James, James was a teammate of mine with the Phoenix Suns when I was there. A lot of credit goes to James, too. We talked about Monty, but James kind of reorganizing the staff and putting people in positions where they can be successful, how they drafted, how they maneuvered the pieces. So let's give some love to James Jones. But if I'm general manager, what do we want to get out of this? Okay. Is the spirit of understanding how to compete and how to grow as a team. The wins and losses are going to come and go. But the better prepared, how do we prepare ourselves to compete when we were off and then got back into the mix? Because that's going to say a lot about how you move forward. If this Phoenix Suns team is able to come in, let's say they fall a little short of getting into the playoffs or playing in the play-in game but they're able to compete at a high level. They're professional. They go about doing their business. Those are building blocks that you have that you can build on for next year and the following year because you have the pieces of the puzzle in place. And to me as a coach and a general manager, that's what I want to see. How do we handle scenarios of the unknown and be professional as a team, okay? And do we go and compete when we know that the table is stacked against us? But how do we respond to that? To me, that's so important. Also more important a little bit sometimes in the wins and losses. Because you can win some games by playing well and if the team doesn't play well, you may not have competed. You can lose some games and played your butt off, but the other team was just better. And you learn a lot from that. Right. That's a great point. Listen, we, we've had four-plus months off, but you sharp as ever, man. Jim Jackson talking to Phoenix <laughs> Suns with us here on the Hang Time Podcast. You, I was going to say, you sound like you're in, in playoff form already. You're ready to go. Well, I, I'm going to be in the bubble. So I go down for the first round of the playoffs. So I'm prepping right now, getting ready. I don't have to be there as long as the players. So I'm bringing <laughs> my golf club. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm so looking forward to it, because this is one of those moments where, 
again, five, 10, 15 years from now, I can look back at it. We can look back and say, you know, I was a part of that. That was totally different. It was special. So I kind of embrace it because I'm blessed to have the opportunity to still continue to do what I love, despite what's happening. A lot of people in America don't have it. So you won't hear me complain about having to be in a bubble, have to stay isolated. This I'm embracing every aspect of it, bro. And I, I, listen, I'm with you. I'll see you down there. I'll be down there sometime here shortly. Um, and I'm going to grind it out all the way to the finals over. So we're going to see what kind of stamina I have, what kind of discipline I have to stay Come on, in. man. It's the mental part of it. Come on. <laughs> stay with it. Get my mental game right, man. You're okay. You're from the you Midwest. You got it. You know it. Appreciate it. Jim Jackson, join us here on the Hangtime Podcast. We'll see you in Orlando in the bubble.